Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. There is a preparation underway, a spiritual preparation that the Lord is doing in our lives. And um, He's preparing us to receive. We saw some things. I saw some things as I was preaching this morning about the reason God is speaking to us to develop this humility and to develop the love walk and to prepare ourselves in the walk of faith. I began to see that God is trying to get more help to us. He's trying to get more of His grace flowing into our life. And to do that, He has to bring us to a place where we are humbling ourselves and recognizing our entire dependence upon God. So for those of you who, just a recap, the Lord spoke to me on October the 9th and He said, we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith, another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. We've been focusing on some of the specific things he followed that instruction up with. He said five things to me. Number one, know the leading with a certainty. Know the leading of the Lord with a certainty. Number two, practice obedience. And while we know that would automatically mean don't be disobedient, Practicing obedience includes not putting it off when God deals with you about something, but to be quick to respond to an instruction that you see in the Word or that you receive by His Spirit. Number three, develop humility and the love walk. Develop humility and the love walk. They need to be developed no matter where you are in either of those categories, the love walk or the humility Every one of us can do better in those. Every one of us have room to grow. We, have no, we won't reach the place where we say, okay, I've achieved all I can achieve where this is. It's going to be constantly something that we are growing in and developing in. And then he said the fruit of the Spirit is vital. The fruit of the Spirit is vital. Then he said the trust in God, His ways and His word are safeguards. Trust in God, trust in His ways, and trusting in His words. Those will keep us safe. And so we began this morning talking about the humility that we find in the Bible and how it's different than the humility that has been presented to us in the world. In the society that we live in, humility is something that is mocked. It's something that's looked at as a weakness. It's something that people uh, portray as being nerdy or, or weak. But we saw today that Jesus, His character is uh, humility. And that our entire redemption is rooted in humility. He humbled Himself to become a man. 
He, he, he set aside his rightful dignities. We saw that scripture in the Amplified this morning. He set aside his rightful dignity and honor and he came in the form and the fashion as a man. And then it said he humbled himself even further he, by being obedient to the point of dying on the cross and then it said, because he stooped so low, that's why. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. And so we looked at the definition of humility according to the Strong's Concordance. It means low, lowliness, to bow or go low. And that's what we see in Philippians chapter 2. I believe it was verse 8 that said, because he stooped so low, therefore God has exalted him. He went low and God brought him high. The greatest of all, the greatest, went the lowest and God placed him at the highest. Amen? And he said that he wants us to learn about him that he is meek and lowly in heart. He is humble in heart. That's what he wants us to learn, Matthew eleven twenty nine. We also saw the definition of pride from the Strong's Concordance, from the Bible definition. It means high-mindedness, haughty, or lifted up. High-mindedness, haughty, or lifted up. And so this morning we looked specifically at words out of Jesus' own mouth that gave us a, a clear picture of what humility is. And we found out it is not degrading yourself and making yourself out to be something you're not. It's not giving God any honor or glory for you to say, I'm worthless, I'm nobody, I'm nothing, I'm just a worm in the dust. That's not humble, because that's not honoring God. Amen? It's not true. You're not worthless. Jesus paid the highest price for you. Amen? You're not a nobody. He... he laid down his life and brought you into the family of God. You're a child of God. So bringing ourself low doesn't mean degrading my self-worth. It means recognizing who God is in my life. That's where, that's where we bring ourselves under the authority. And we found out this morning that the... The attitude of humility is based in Psalm 100, verse 3. It is you who has made us and not we ourselves. Amen. That keeps you humble right there when you know that it, it, He created me, which means He knows everything about me, even things I don't know. He knows better what my body needs in the way of food. He knows better about what He has designed for me to do. He knows better because He created me. So we began to see that humility is really, in its essence, an entire dependence upon God. We are God-dependent. Without Him, we are nothing. But with Him, we can do all things. So we find out this humility is so different than what we have seen from the world's perspective, but we see humility from the Scripture and it is strength. It is strength. It is, it is the strength of God. And so Jesus said things like, I can of my own self nothing. 
Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, he said, I am entirely dependent upon my Father. Isn't that what he was saying when he said, I can of my own self do nothing. He said, the words that I speak, they're not my words. They're the Father's words. The doctrine I'm teaching, it's not my doctrine. It's the Father's doctrine. I don't even try to get my way or my will. I'm here to do the will of the one who sent me. So we see in his words such a clear picture of humility that is in him. And because we are redeemed into Christ, the same humility in him is available to us. He's the vine. We're the branch. Whatever's in him is going to flow in me if I'll stay connected. So I have access to the same humility so that I can be entirely Jesus-dependent the same way He was God-dependent. We're God-dependent. We're dependent upon Jesus. It's Him in us. And that is Bible humility, an entire dependence upon God. So on this portion of this teaching, I want to go a step further And I want to look at humility in the teaching of Jesus. We've seen it in the life of Jesus, in his personal life, how he lived it out, things that he said that demonstrated or or illustrated to us that humility. But now let's look at what Jesus taught. And we'll begin in Matthew 5. And in Matthew 5, Jesus is teaching what we often refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. He begins with the Beatitudes. And um, I want to look at two of those. Matthew 5, verse 3 is the first one. And again, I'm going to use the Amplified uh, quite a bit for this. In the Amplified... The King James is, is uh, available right here. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The Amplified says, Blessed, happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the poor in spirit. The Amplified gives us a little bit of clarity on that phrase, poor in spirit. What does poor in spirit mean? The Amplified says, the humble who rate themselves insignificant. Or we might say, they, um, again, we're not degrading ourselves. We're not talking down about ourselves. But we're bringing ourselves under the reality that without Him... I don't have anything to offer anybody. Any wisdom I have, it's from Him. Any skill I have, He gave it to me. Any any knowledge I might have, it's the Lord. Right? I'm recognizing that in myself, I may not have anything, but in Him is where everything I have comes from. And so notice it says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is an operating system. The kingdom of heaven is is God's way of doing. And it says, this is how we must 
access the kingdom way of doing. You're not going to operate the kingdom ways being prideful. It's not going to work. It's, it, everything goes offline when a person tries to make it in their self and, and all about themselves. It just goes offline. But if you come and you say, it's the Lord, I'm dependent on God, He's my help every day, it, it, the Lord is with me, I, I'm, I'm trusting in the Lord, and I'm putting, then I, I recognize where all my help comes from. I recognize where I have access to all that I need to be able to answer this situation. Right? That's who's going to operate the kingdom. People who understand, who have that humility developed in their life, the kingdom's going to work for them. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek represent those who seek nothing for themselves. Let's see the Amplified. It said, blessed, happy, blithesome, joyous, spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the meek, the mild, the patient, the long-suffering, for they shall inherit the earth. One of the things we saw over and over again in Jesus' words was, I have not come to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. That's whose, who, that's, that's whose desires I want operating in my heart. That's whose agenda I want on my day planner. Amen? Amen. I, I'm, I'm meek. I am not seeking anything for myself. I want the will of God in my life. I want the will of God in my family. I want the, and we know the will of God is good. It's good. Amen? But I am not trying to get it my way. I'm not trying to get, get, get my agenda and get God to bless it. I want His agenda because the blessing's already on it. Amen? So those are inheriting the earth. Why? Because when I'm committed to God's will... I'm in line to flow with everything he needs to get to me. All the resources he needs to get to are going to come to those who are committed to his will. Hallelujah. So Jesus is teaching about this humility. We know that he uh, told us in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, I'm not going to go back to that one, but he said, I want you to learn this of me. Take my yoke. And learn this about me. I am meek and lowly in heart. And when you do that, you will have rest to your souls. When you learn that, when you develop that in your life, and I'll tell you why, the rest comes to those who are developing this character of humility, this spiritual humility before God of recognizing, God, I need you. I trust in you. I depend on you. You are my father. You created me. You are, are my God. And you are Jesus. You are my Lord. I am not Lord of my life. I am not dictating my life. I am submitting my life to you. I am presenting myself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. 
Hallelujah. And what I'm, I am positioning myself in that humility and to bring my that and God, I want to do this. Not seeking him for what that will wear me out. There's no rest for that person because that ambition, ambition and, and holy passion, it's like ambition is the devil's, uh, uh, his replica of holy passion. The holy passion that we get for God and to do his will and to do his work, that comes from our spirit. That comes from our born again, from our inner man. But ambition, it looks like it sometimes. If, you're, if, if your ambition is to do something in the kingdom and you get this ambition of I want to I wanna build the biggest church and I want to have this ministry and I want to go around the world and I want to do this. But if I'm doing it so that I can make my name great, and so that people can know me and I can find validation in, in people's accolades for what a great preacher or, or for what kind of whatever is happening in the ministry. If, my ambi- if it's ambition, it will wear me out because it's carnal. It's not from my spirit. And, the car- and, and I've seen, I've been in ministry Going on, let's see, we're going to be celebrating, what, 25 years in the Kansas campus as pastors there. It's, it, I've seen a lot of people who were in the pulpit for the wrong reason. They were in the pulpit with a carnal motive. And that hurt people. And they wanted to govern over people. They wanted to rule over people. They wanted everybody to do for them, they, but they weren't, they weren't laying down their lives. There was no spiritual flow in what they were doing. They were, because they'd seen somebody who maybe did have a spiritual flow do something and God was exalting him and they're trying to duplicate it. Hallelujah. So, so I want to take a few moments and I want to show us ambition versus humility in the Bible. Because Jesus was dealing with this in his own disciples. Let's begin in Luke 9. He chose them. He was feeding them spiritual food. He was training them. Yet we still see that he was having to deal with some ambition in their lives. So let's look at Luke 9 and verse 46. Then there arose a reasoning among them, which which of them should be greatest. They are fussing about who's going to be the greatest. Which one of us should be the one with the greatest position? And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him, and said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receives me, and whosoever shall receive me receives him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. 
He that is least among you all, the same shall be great. Hallelujah. So Jesus is giving them, an, why is he saying this? Because he heard what they were arguing about. They were arguing about position. That child's not concerned about position or esteem or accolades or, or titles or anything else. That child is submitted. That child is dependent on their parent. Dependent upon the adults. For the food that they eat, they don't, they don't have their own food, right? Their parents get the food out and put it on the table. They're dependent. And he said, he that is least among you, the same shall be great. Let's look at another example. Matthew 18, verse 1. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom? So now they're bringing this up to Jesus. They're coming to him with a question. We want to know who is greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you. Now we're going to see something in this phrase that gives us a little bit different. He says, except you be converted and become. Do you see there's a change on our part? You be converted and become as little children. You shall not enter the kingdom. We saw that in Matthew chapter 5. He said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom. So he said, unless you be converted and become as little children recognizing God is my Father. He's the one who created me. He knows everything about me. He knit me in my mother's womb. He formed me in, in the womb and prepared even the plan and the destiny for my life. He knows what I need to know. I don't know what he... I, I'm not here to tell him I can't do that. <laughs> to tell the Creator, I can't do that. The one who made me. I can't do that, Lord. Right? He knows what I can do because He made me. So it says, be converted and become as little children so that you can enter into the kingdom of God. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself, oh, oh, humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom. Whosoever will humble himself, the same is greatest in the kingdom. That, that was their question, wasn't it? Who's greatest? The one who humbles himself. The one who becomes dependent and recognizes everything I have comes, comes from God. He's the source of my supply. He is the source of the wisdom for my life. Matthew 20, verse 20. Then came to him the mother. <laughs> Mama, with her two sons, disciples, two of the disciples, the mother of Zebedee's children, with her sons, worshiping Jesus and desiring a certain thing of him, and he said to her, what do you want? 
she said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on the right and the other on the left hand, in the kingdom. She's asking for position. She's asking for the prestige and the honor of the hand at the right, uh, the seat at the right hand of Jesus, the seat at the left hand of Jesus. Let my sons have those seats. Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said unto him, We are able. And he said unto them, You shall drink indeed of the cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. Do you see Jesus' humility? It's my Father's. My Father makes those decisions. It's not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it's prepared of my Father. But notice this, when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren because ambition is carnal and it causes strife. It was, it was not a spiritual desire or a holy passion. They were wanting to have the prestige. They were wanting the glory. They were wanting the honor. And they were trying to put themselves in that place. And the ten heard it, and they were moved with indignation. And Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. He's just found their motive. He just identified their motive. What you're really after is you want to be over people. The Amplified says the Gentiles lord it over them. And the great men hold them in subjection. That's, he just identified what their motive was. They wanted to be the ones having that control. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your... King James says minister. Amplified says servant. It is the word in the concordance that means... To be a servant, an attendant, a domestic, to serve, to wait upon, to attend to anything that may serve another's interests. To attend to anything that may serve another's interests. He said, if you want to be great, be a servant. Who is he serving? He said, I'm here among you as a servant. Who is he serving? He's serving the Father. How did he serve the Father? Ministering to us. So you want to know how to serve God? Minister to your brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Put their interests. Think about, see, uh, there's a lot of people who don't come to church because they don't think they need it. Who are they not thinking about? They think they can get it from home. Who are they not thinking about? Can the little children who are being taught in children's church, can they get that same thing from the TV? No. So, so somebody's got to be there to break the bite-sized pieces of the bread of the Word of God and feed the children. 
in the nursery and in children's church, right? What, what we experienced here in the presence of the Lord tonight, hallelujah. That's because we were gathered here in His name. And He's here in the midst of us. Hallelujah. So we've got to recognize that a lot of times I come to church for my brother and sister because I'm serving in a, in a, in a, a, a department because I want to minister to the needs of the other people. So-and-so is going to be there and they're going to need a hug. They're going to need a high five. They're going to need an attaboy. They're going to need a you can do it. Come on. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm praying for you. Amen. So he said, if you want to be great, it's not your interest that should be on your mind. It should be the interests of others. Amen. Hallelujah. If you want to be great in God's kingdom. Anybody interested in being great in God's kingdom? I am. I want to be great in His eyes. I want Him to say, that's what I'm talking about, Michelle. I want, I want to please Him. And so humble myself, it, 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 that, that humility is something that is what God's looking for in my life. That's what God is interested in developing in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So... He said, if you want to be great, you've got to become a servant. Verse 27, whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant in the King James. Ooh, slave in the Amplified. Hallelujah. He's talking about, I'm laying down my interests. I'm laying, whose slave am I? I'm servant to God. I'm His child. I love Him. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. All of that is still true about me. But for me to recognize, I'm here to serve Him. I'm here to please Him. I'm here because He purchased me and I want to do everything I can to honor that purchase. Amen? So let's look at some other examples. Let's look at Matthew 23. Matthew 23, verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and said to his disciples, uh, spake to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Underline that. Where do they sit? In Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works... For they say and do not. They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. All their works they do for to be seen of men. Oh, oh. See the motive? They've, they've got this, this great standard that they're not even living by. And their motive, the intent of their heart, is to be seen. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. And so I believe those phylacteries were, they, they would put like scripture scrolls so that they could, you know, like the scripture says, put the, put the scripture before your eyes. They, they would make these things that would be, so they want everybody to see it. 
They're going to make it really big. See what big scripture I got in my face today, y'all. They enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the uppermost rooms at feasts. Where, what they, that's what they're after. The uppermost. I want to be... Uh, what was the definition of pride? High, haughty, lifted up. They love the uppermost rooms and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be ye not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. He that is greatest shall be your servant. So he is saying they want... They have an image of what is great to be in these high positions, but I'm telling you, in the kingdom, that won't work. In the kingdom, that's not great. In the kingdom, that's, that's frowned upon. What we want to have is, I'm here to help you. Amen? Amen? Luke 14. Did you know it was in here this much? Oh, my goodness. Luke 14, 1. And it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. And so he heals this man. But I wanted you to, I want to read that part because I want you to know who's in the room. He's in the house of one of the chief Pharisees. And so there are all these Pharisees in the room. And they get offended. Verse 3, Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees. So I want you to see who's in the room. The lawyers and the Pharisees. Verse 7. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden to this, this event that they're at. When he marked how they chose out the chief rooms. So why is he about to tell this parable? Because he was watching all the people who had entered into that room and all of them came in looking to exalt themselves. Looking to position themselves in the greatest seat. They walked in and they're like, I should be in the greatest seat. I should be in the seat of honor. What's the greatest seat in the room? Put me over there. And he, it was so apparent, Jesus saw it. And now he's going to use them as a teaching moment. When you are bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than you be bidden of him. And he that bade thee in him come and say to you, Give this man place, and you begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when you are bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade you comes, he may say unto you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will have worship, or we would say honor, in the presence of them that sit at meat with you. Now what verse 11 is, is a spiritual law. 
It's not just something eloquent Jesus said. This is law of the kingdom. For whosoever exalts himself shall be abased. It's not God necessarily doing it. The pride, what, what does pride do? Pride brings a man low. Pride comes before destruction. It's the pride. See, he that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. He that humbles himself shall be exalted. Hallelujah. That's spiritual law. It works all day. Just like the law of gravity works all day long. You don't have to do anything to make it work. It is in place. It is operative. It is a law established in the earth, the law of gravity. This spiritual law, he that humbles himself shall be exalted, works all day long. And we're developing humility. Why? Because God, God wants to exalt every person in this room. He wants to. It's His will. It's His desire. He wants to exalt us. Hallelujah. But He doesn't want us trying to exalt ourselves. He wants to be the... When God exalts you, it does what your exaltation could never do. And if we're humble so that He can exalt us, we're going to give Him all the glory. If a person who is prideful receives glory... It's dangerous. It's dangerous because they're going to take it upon themselves and they're going to turn it upon themselves. That's the nature of the adversary. That's what the adversary did. The adversary said, look how beautiful I am and look how amazing God created me. I shall exalt my throne above the throne of God. I will make myself higher than the Most High God. Do you see how he lost, how dependent he really was on God? He didn't make himself beautiful. God did that. And that escaped him when he began to take all the credit for it. So God wants to exalt us. He just doesn't want us to exalt ourselves. Hallelujah. Luke, I think it's 18 that I want. Let me get over here to 18. Yeah, Luke 18, verse 9. And he spoke this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Trusted in themselves. That's pride. Right? Because humility is an entire dependence upon God. I'm trusting in God. And what am I not doing? Leaning to my own understanding. Amen? He spoke this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. We are the righteousness of God. Thank you. In Christ. Not in Michelle. Not in Carrie. Not in Catherine. In Christ. It's not in myself that I'm righteous. The only reason I'm righteous is that He became sin who knew no sin. If that didn't happen, 
I would still be as unrighteous as, as I had been. But because He became sin, who knew no sin, He made me righteous. I didn't even do anything other than believe on what He did. He did it all. I just believed it. And I can't take any credit for that because God's Word gave me the faith to believe it. I can't even take glory for what I believe. I can't even say, look what I believe. Because everything I believe is because His life has shown me the truth. And that's why I believe it. Because the light, the Word produces faith. The faith in the Word has entered into my heart. And I believe because the Word came to me. Hallelujah. We are righteous in Him. See the dependence? I, my, my righteousness depends on Him. My standing with God is because of what Jesus has done. I'm dependent on Jesus for my relationship with God. No man comes unto the Father except by me. We're dependent upon God even to get to, upon Jesus to get to the Father. So we can't take glory for our great prayer victories. <laughs> I wouldn't have any victory in prayer if it wasn't for Jesus making the new and the living way for me. Do you see the humility? Hallelujah. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. I love that. <laughs> he was just praying all by himself, right? This really isn't for God. I just want y'all to hear me. I, I really, I'm not praying and asking anything of God or even giving him any... He doesn't. He doesn't give God glory in this prayer. He, he, he stands before God and tells God how glorious he is. Listen to him. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even, even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much his, as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Why? One is looking and depending entirely on God. And the other is trying to exalt himself in the presence of God by all of these great things that he listed off. And then Jesus said, again, this spiritual law for everyone that exalts himself shall be abased and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah shall be exalted. All right, I have one, one other example, Luke chapter 20. I'm going to mention John 13 when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. 
verse 14, he said, You ought also to wash one another's feet. And he was referring to this serving, to being humbling yourself and being a servant of all. But in Luke 20, I'm looking to show us how Jesus dealt with ambition. I actually want 22, Luke 22, verse 24. And there was also a strife among them. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? Y'all, they're at the Last Supper. This, This chapter, they're sitting around the table celebrating the Passover moments before Jesus is going to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Moments, uh, days before, hours before Jesus is going to be crucified. And they're arguing amongst themselves, still vying for position. There was a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, as he that does serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serves, is not he that sitteth at meat. But I am among you as he that serves. Jesus said, you follow my example. You follow my example. I'm here to serve, so there's nothing beneath you serving one another. There's nothing, there's nothing degrading about serving your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because you're doing it for the Lord. You're serving God. You're serving God by serving others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he said, you follow my example. We want... Our attitude to carry the attitude that Jesus had. We don't want a different attitude. When Philippians 2.5 says, let this same mind in you, the Amplified says, let this same attitude and humble mind. Let Jesus be your example in humility. Let this mind be in you. Let this attitude, if Jesus can lay down his omnipotence, his omnipresence and his omniscience and come to this earth to die on the cross solely to do the will of God, I can surely accept a position in the the media department and commit to once a week. I can surely sign up to be on the greeters department and, and, and be here, you know, two Sundays a month. Hallelujah. Why? I, I, this is opportunity. Jesus established the local church and gave us opportunity to serve the Lord. You can't go to heaven and sweep the floors, but you can come to church and vacuum. For the Lord. I mean, that, it's a whole nother anointing when you're vacuuming for the Lord. When you're, can, can I get an amen, Janessa? Vacuuming for the Lord. 
This is, I'm, not, I'm doing this because I love the Lord and I want His people, I want His, His people to see the glory of His house. I want people to come in and, 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 and experience the presence of God and not be distracted by mud on the floor. Right? Hallelujah. Here's my example. Hallelujah. Can't you just, the spiritual growth that's taken place as we're feeding on this, it's miracle grow. We're, it's miracle grow. We're, we're going to see such a difference because it'll help your marriage. It'll help you in your decisions with money. Every area, the humility of God is going to help us.